This past week, we had the privilege of welcoming Beargrass member Reverend Bruce Barkower to the pulpit. Bruce and his wife, Laura, are enthusiastic, energetic members of Beargrass. Bruce works for our denomination's Center of Faith and Giving, where he is passionate about his ministry. Here now, Reverend Bruce Barkower. Good morning. I've been gone so long, I feel like I need to reintroduce myself. My name is Bruce. And uh, I have been, I have, this is the first time that I have been in worship at Beargrass this weekend since the first weekend in August because of the nature of my job. So it is good to see you again and to be in this place again. Uh, Laura and I are very grateful for Beargrass Christian Church. And Lee, I, again, am grateful that you would share the pulpit with me uh, and the privilege uh, to, to speak today. Um, and uh, we're, we're just, uh, we're thankful and I'm grateful to you. Uh, we, if I'm a little out of sorts today, you'll have to forgive me. We're in the process of moving. Um, you know, I don't think I've had this much fun since I had all four of my wisdom teeth taken out at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly right. You notice my family's not here because they're all at home working. We're actually going to have an open house this afternoon in the house that we still have while we're trying to get moved into the house that we've just bought and... Yeah, I'm a little out of sorts. Uh, I, I, and I'm, I'm paying a price for something here because, you know, I'm a bit of a saver. Uh, I, I, I like to hang on to things because I might need them someday. I, there isn't a mechanical thing that breaks down or leaves our house because it's obsolete that I don't cannibalize it for all the little parts and nuts and bolts. The same thing with anything electronic, wires and switches, you know. I take it all apart and take it down to my workshop. Uh, and uh, my wife thinks I'm nuts, but every once in a while, I, about every five years, I can come up with a nut or a bolt or a switch or a piece of wire and, and feel vindicated, you know. It's a good thing that I hung on to that. At least I used to think that way until now I'm trying to sort it all and box it all and carry it all out of the basement. Uh, and, you know, you discover some things when you're moving. Um, one of the things that we've discovered is that, you know, when we saw this house that we've purchased, uh, this new place we're moving to, it, it, it looked really nice. You know, it had all the furniture in it and everything. And now when all of that furniture has been removed, you discover that it's not only love that covers a multitude of sins, but furniture does a pretty good job of that too. Now, if our house hasn't gotten under contract before our furniture is gone, I can trust you that we're going to test whether paint and caulk can hide a multitude of sin as well. It's just sort of how this thing goes. But, you know, I, we, we have all of this stuff and, and, and we're hanging on to it because, you, we, well, you're just afraid you might need it. You, you know, there's, we're always being told there's a shortage of things. And, and I confess, I've come to believe it. We've talked about it here before. There, there's never enough of most anything, including time. My goodness, there's not enough for me to get done. Everything I have on my to-do list today, which means I'll go to bed so late that I won't get enough sleep tonight. And then tomorrow, that list will have more things on it. So I won't have any chance of getting it all done tomorrow either. Right? I mean, there's just not enough of much of anything. Certainly not enough of time. We're told this all the time. That's how things have value in our culture, that if there aren't enough of them, you know, they're worth a lot more. We're, we're used to, to this idea of a shortage and wanting to hang on, even though it goes in the exact opposite 
of what we are taught in the Bible and how the Bible in the first chapter opens up to talk about the nature of God and God's abundance. How in the very first chapter of Genesis we hear that in every, in every plant there's a seed, in every fruit tree there's in the, in, the, in the fruit that the tree produces there's a seed so there's generativity so there'll be enough, this, this promise that we can be fruitful and multiply you wouldn't do in scarcity, right? But, but God has, has commissioned there to be enough sufficiency so that, so that, that, there's, that nobody needs to be without. And, and yet we know in our world there are plenty of people who go without <laughs> because some of us have kept a little bit more than we need, some a lot more than they need, and, and we just haven't been very good stewards be, well, because we're afraid we might... We might need it. And, and that has come to be reflected in other things in our culture. Have you noticed that, that, we're, that, that there seems to be a pretty good shortage of love for one another around these days? Just think about the culture and the climate that we're experiencing right now in, in our country, particularly in our nation's capital, right? There's not a lot of forbearance for one another. There is not a lot of grace for one another as if somehow extending this grace to one another will take something away from me. You know, we, we, the, the grace is not a pie. I mean, I understand pie, and, and I know when there's only one pumpkin pie on the buffet table, I've got pretty sharp elbows, right? You know, there's only so much of the pie, but, but grace and God's love are not at all like that. There's an abundance, an overwhelming abundance of God's grace and God's love. It never runs out. It cannot be exhausted. And, and yet, we tend to to treat each other that way. We tend to think about things that way. I don't know why it is in this country. We, we have at times thought that by extending more rights to people of color or to women or, or to the, the gay, lesbian, transgendered, bisexual folks, that somehow that's going to take something away from us and our humanity when, when in fact extending those rights to others seems to make us a little more human, doesn't it? But, but we treat it like grace is in short supply. There are churches who seem to want to withhold grace from so many. They take their share for themselves, mind you, but they want to withhold it from others. And, and well, frankly, frankly, this is, this is why I love who we are as disciples. This is what I love most about our church because we don't see God's love as a pie. We don't see God's grace as a pie which there are only a few pieces and so you gotta crowd in and use your sharp elbows to get your share. We as the Christian church, disciples of Christ, talk about room at this table for everyone. That there is welcome for everyone. That what we proclaim about this table is not limited but the love and the grace that are extended and that form and shape us from coming to this common meal are in abundant supply and there is enough for all. I love who we are as the Christian church disciples of Christ. I love who we are as Beargrass Christian church. I, I really do. I love that we don't have to have bad science to have good religion. 
I love that as part of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, we, we allow you to use your mind and you won't, you know, you don't have to check your brain at the door. You can find your heart and keep your head. It's all good. Science and religion don't necessarily have to be in conflict with each other. We still know that God is ultimately the author of all that is and us included. But science doesn't have to be in competition with our faith. I love this about who we are as the Christian church disciples of Christ. I love that we don't have to wait for Indianapolis to figure out what it is we need to do in Louisville. We can, we, we, we make those decisions ourselves. We're given the permission and the grace to, to look around and see where, where work is needed on behalf of the gospel and we can go and do that. I love that about who we are as the Christian church. I love that about who we are as Beargrass, that, that when we say all are welcome, we really mean it, that it's not just about me and my share, it's about us and ours. And First Peter, this text we have before us when Peter is writing, he, he wants to encourage us to be about the importance of being good and doing good, to use whatever the gifts we have uh, as an extension of God's grace. This, this idea that you are stewards of the manifold graces of God, the text says, is another way to, to read that, to translate that word. You can also say that, that it's the many colored graces of God. Can you just sit with that for a minute? Stewards of the many colored graces of God. You know, I, I don't know why it is sometimes we struggle to share them. I mean, we have this really good news, right? We know the extent of God's love. We know its unlimited nature. We know that that love is more powerful even than death itself. This is what we believe. And yet sometimes we, well, we have a little trouble sharing that. I don't know if I've done this with y'all before or not, but sometimes when I talk about grace as an act of stewardship, I, I'm reminded of the song we learned in vacation Bible school. Now for me, that was a long time ago, but I have not forgotten it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Y'all get your lights up now. Here's the, the, the second verse is more important. Put it under a bushel. I'm gonna let it shine. Put it under a bushel. Oh, you got more conviction in your no than that. I know you do. Put it under a bushel. I'm gonna let it shine. Put it under a bushel. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. We have this great news to share with the world around us that, that love doesn't just cover a multitude of sin, which we're grateful for, but it also covers a multitude of difficulty, distress. When, um, when Lee told me that the theme for this year's annual stewardship campaign was We Are Beargrass, my mind immediately leapt to a movie called We Are Marshall. Have you, have you ever seen that movie, it's a true story. It's based on a true story. Uh, it's just, uh, just this past week was the anniversary of the 1970 plane crash 
When the team had finished playing in Eastern Carolina, the, the coaches, the many of the boosters, town leaders, uh, the whole athletic department staff were all on the plane returning home and it crashed just short of the runway in Huntington, West Virginia. 75 people lost their lives. And the, the movie tracks that event and the way in which people responded to their individual losses and griefs following that and, 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 and how, d despite the, the, the personal nature of these, how it was that they found the best healing and comfort was in being together in community. The, the cry, we are Marshall. The, this idea that they had this common thing that held them together became that which ultimately helped them work through their grief and their loss. They found great power in being with one another. I think that's a pretty good word for the church, isn't it? I, d I doubt if I said, we are, you all would shout bear grass. Maybe you would. It would be good if we did. This, this sense that we belong to one another, that our identity is not individual, but collective in what we do and what we practice and how we live our faith, that we can't do this without each other. I think there's a, there's a good word for the church there. Now, I, I, pardon me if I go back to moving again. You know, it's kind of on my mind right now. <laughs> uh, one of the things I've discovered in this process is that you have to touch everything. Really, you, you do. You have to touch everything. You, you know, you have to, 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 to decide what's staying and what's going. And, and in the process... Well, in the process, you discover all of the ways your own life has been touched by grace. A prayer blanket that was made for Laura when she was diagnosed with cancer. A box full of the cards I received when my father died. The pictures from Alan's first Little League team, right? Dan's letterman's jacket hanging in the back of the closet from when he was in high school. The, the Beanie Babies that Rebecca collected that we found in a box, you know, those were all supposed to be worth something, you know? You're supposed to be able to retire on that? Well, I'll have to work past dead at this point based on what they're worth. Uh, a bottle of water that I took from the Jordan River on a trip to the Holy Land. I used to take a few drops of that and put it in the baptistry at church every time I did a baptism. Golf clubs that belong to Laura's mom. Laura's mom's been dead over 30 years. But there's a touchstone there and a connection. And, you know, it was, well, the goodwill, garbage, no. They'll find a place in the garage. And when they're seen, there's a memory. You know, all of this stuff reminds us of how loved we have been, how people in our lives have blessed us. It, it's remarkable. And you know, the same thing happens here, even in this building. This, this house of worship is filled with moments that remind you of just how you have been blessed. Right? I mean, at, at, at our house, there, there's special places. I, I was taking a box up the stairs the other day. And I turned the corner and I saw a two-by-four that's exposed in the wall. And there are lines on it. And there are names and dates with the lines and the number of inches, you know, 
for each of our kids. And now not just our three kids are on there, but now our two grandkids are on. I want to take that board with me, <laughs> right? When I sat down to, to work on this sermon in my chair in the family room, I realized I was sitting in a spot where we've celebrated the last 23 Christmases together as a family. Looked at the fireplace, a project that Laura and I did together in in redesigning and and building that and the mantler out on the, the back of the house, the deck that we spent a memorial weekend building years ago. All these places filled with grace. And it's the same here. I th- think, think about it. Think about what it's like in, in a room in this building where Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts meet young men and women who are just starting to discover themselves and who they are. And maybe in a merit badge program, they discover something they have an interest in or something they might be good at. Th- think, think about what happens in in the room where Susan holds the grief recovery group for people who are trying to piece their lives back together after tremendous loss. Think, think about what it's like in the Bible study where someone hears the way we read the Bible and suddenly is, hears something different than they've been told their whole life about the value of their own life and that they're not broken or junk that should be thrown away, but they are a precious child loved by God. Think, think about it, what it's like in a 12-step meeting that takes place in this church for somebody who's trying to to get ready to celebrate 10 years plus a month of sobriety or maybe trying to figure out how to make it 30 days plus an hour or maybe somebody who just wants today to get through and find their serenity. All of that, you see, are extensions of grace. They're the love that covers the multitude of sin. They're the things that we do together because we are bare grass, because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And and yes, there is a little sense of this at this time of year that this is like pie. The budget sort of has a sense of being like pie, but you know what the budget does? When you look at the budget, it tells us where our priorities are. I told the governor-elect this morning that that's also true for the state. And it's true for us in our own homes. Our budgets are theological documents. They tell us what matters to us. And so as you're tasked with thinking about how it is you will support the ministry of this church, what, what you will add to the pie, so to speak. Think about all of the ways in which through that limited act we declare the unlimited abundance of God's love and God's grace. Because we are bear grass. As Bruce has said, Jesus challenges us to make choices about our stuff, lest it become a way of sadness instead of joy. We can use our stuff to serve God's purposes. What we do with our stuff can become a means toward a blessing for us and for the community in which we live. 
Our gifts can transform the world. Thanks, Bruce, for this wonderful invitation and challenge. Commitment Sunday is November 24th. We encourage you to present your pledge card as an act of worship. You can make your pledge online by going to www.beargrass.org. We hope to see you around the table soon. Until next time, peace.